You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord. Let's look to him in prayer right now. Just bow your hearts as I bow my knee before him today. Lord, you are great and awesome, worthy of all of our praise. Lord, you alone are holy. Lord, there is no one like you in this earth. There is nothing that we can compare to you, God. God, you are the one who spoke and created all things. God, you are the one who sent your son into this world to redeem us when we had sinned against you. That is awesome, God. God, we praise you right now. We bow before you right now, praying that as we look to you through your word, Lord, would you lead us? Would you show us the glory of Jesus Christ? Would you show us his greatness? Would you show us how he can do what no one else can do in our lives? And would you show us the great price that he paid to redeem us so that we could be with you for all of eternity? Oh, Lord, open our hearts now as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Well, good New Year, church. Happy New Year. And uh, it's great to see you here this morning. And I hope you're already off to uh, a good start for the new year. I know it's only been a few hours, but uh, let's face it, things can go wrong pretty fast sometimes, can't they? And so I hope that it's a good start so far for you. And uh, this morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be opening up our Bibles to Matthew's Gospel. So if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible, just put up your hand. I see our ushers are coming down right now. Glad to get a copy of God's Word in your hand. And glad for you to take that home as our gift to you if you do not have a Bible at home. So we're going to head to Matthew chapter 11. And uh, we're going to look at only a few verses this morning of words that Jesus spoke, uh, words that are incredibly significant. As we begin a new year, as we, we start off into 2017, there's a lot of different things that we could think about. And New Year is a significant time of the year for a couple of reasons, Uh, mostly, mostly for two reasons. One, it's a fresh start in a lot of ways. And then secondly, because it's a time to look back on the past year and to plan and set our priorities for the year to come. And so really for believers, New Year should really be a time where we look forward to all that God has for us and also a time in our lives where we make a little mid-course correction. And so maybe you're coming into 2017 and you feel, wow, 2016 kind of got away from me in a lot of ways. Didn't exactly go the way that I wanted it to. It didn't exactly turn out how I wanted to. I'm coming into 2017 feeling pressed down, feeling a little bit beaten and roughed up, feeling like I've got a a burden on my back and I'm not exactly sure what to do with it. And so let me just tell you this morning. Today is a great morning to say, Lord, Lord, would you give me a new start right now? Lord, would you lead me in your grace today? Would this year, Lord, not be the same as last year? Would you change my life this year? And would you use me for your glory this year? And so New Year is significant. And I hope you're coming here this morning saying, yes, Lord, come and do that in me today. Let me ask you a question while you're turning. Maybe you've already turned there. Let me ask you this question. What is, what is the number one thing you need this year? 
I'm sure we could all compile a pretty big list pretty quickly. Okay, hand up. There we go. It's like Harvest Kids in the front row. Uh, they answer those questions. You don't. All right. Um, so what do you need this year? More than anything else, what do you need this year? Is it the vacation? The vacation where maybe the kids don't come with you, and so it's really a vacation. Um, maybe it's, it's the new car, because that old one's just not doing it, let's face it. Maybe it's the, the upgrade on the house, the back addition, the new pool, whatever it may be. What do you need this year? I'm going to submit to you this morning that the thing that we need this year more than anything else is rest. You're like, yes, that sounds great. Where do I buy my ticket? Well, it's not the rest that we're trying to think of. We seek to find rest in so many things. I seek to find rest in so many things. I look to vacations. I look to time away. I look to getting out onto a river with my fly rod in my hand and fishing in quietness. I look to those things thinking they are going to give me rest and giving me rest in my soul. Then I will be refreshed. And guess what? All of those things sadly disappoint All of them fall short. And what we need this morning is we need true rest. We need rest for our restless hearts. St. Augustine said this. He said, you have been made, you have made us for yourself, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Uh, A guy named Paul Tripp, he's a a Christian author and speaker and counselor. He said it this way. I, I love how he said it. He said, Your restless heart will only find rest when it rests in the person, presence, and promises of Jesus Christ. True rest. Rest for our restless hearts. This morning, our message is called Rest for Our Restless Hearts. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to try to unpack from Matthew chapter 11 what Jesus has to say about rest. We're going to take a look this morning at what it means to find true rest and then what it means to maintain true and lasting rest. Well, first of all, let's try to answer this question. What is true rest? If we're not going to find it in vacations, if we're not going to find it in stuff, if we're not going to find it in this world, where are we going to find it? That's a great spot for someone to say Jesus, okay? But but anyway, all right. So true rest, true rest is really being at peace with God having the assurance that comes from knowing that your sins are forgiven. God is holy. God is perfect. God is pure in every single way. Sin separates us from God. There will be no sin in God's presence in heaven. And so what that means for us is if we are sinners, which we are, we will not be in God's presence unless God does something. And so what is true rest? True rest is the peaceful assurance that comes from knowing that God is in full control, that your sins have been paid for, that you're walking with him and living in his fullness. And this is exactly what Jesus goes after in Matthew chapter 11. And here in the passage that we're in this morning, Jesus has just been talking and some people had just come to him and they'd asked about a couple of disasters that had happened. And he said, hey, listen, I tell you that unless you repent, you will not be saved. And he he talks about, you know, two cities who rejected him. And he says it will be more bearable for for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than these cities who heard about Jesus and saw Jesus and rejected him. And so this morning, as we, as we look at this passage, 
as we look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, I want to ask you a question, first of all. I want to ask you this question to think about all the way through this message. How do they apply specifically to your life? We only have three verses in front of us, but these are significant verses. These verses found in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 are very well-known verses. As soon as I read them, you'll remember them. Most of you will have had them memorized from the time you were a kid. But honestly, in them being so common to us, sometimes we miss out on the significance. Sometimes we miss out on all of the hope and treasure that is found in God's word because it becomes commonplace to us. I'm praying that's not the case this morning. I'm praying that God's word here in Matthew 11 will ring fresh and true in our hearts, that God will speak to us this morning, and he will show us the adequacy of Jesus Christ to fulfill every need, every longing that this world cannot fulfill. So let's look to God's word right now. Let's look to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. In these verses, Jesus says this. He says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Aren't those amazing words? Doesn't that just refresh you just to hear them? I know it refreshes me when, when I'm struggling under the weight of, of my own sin, my own failure, my own weakness. This is a spot that I go to and say, Lord, come and refresh me. But I think the more that we dig into this, the more that we see the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, the deeper that refreshment will be. And I'm praying that will happen this morning. Here in these verses, first of all, we notice that there's one of the greatest invitations in Scripture. You can't miss it. It's right there at the beginning. One of the greatest invitations in all of the Bible. It is Jesus Christ saying, come to me. Just picture that for a moment. Picture it in your own mind. Jesus Christ standing there, not with arms crossed, not looking down on you, not condemning you, not pushing you away, but standing with his arms wide open saying, come, come, come to me. If you labor And you are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Those are awesome words. I want you to notice three quick things about this invitation before we really jump into this text. Notice this, first of all. This invitation is personal. It's personal. This invitation is directed to you personally. It's not only directed to the person that's been coming to church for a long time. It is directed to every person who hears of Jesus Christ. It includes everyone. No one is excluded except for the person who would exclude themselves and say, no, I'm not going to come. It's personal. But notice this invitation is also promising, isn't it? Isn't there a deep level of promise and hope in this invitation? Notice it again. I will give you rest. Not I might, not I will a little. I will, I will give you rest and it will be rest abundant. It will be rest for your soul. And then notice this is powerful. This invitation is powerful. This invitation is given by Jesus Christ, who is very God of very God. Wow. The God of the universe invites us to come and he can deliver on his promises, can he? Right? 
If God says, come and I will give you rest, he can deliver on it. Why? Because this world's not going to deliver on it. So many things promise to give us rest. And what do they do? A majority of the time, they suck the life right out of us, don't they? But Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ can give us true and lasting rest. One last thing. This invitation must be received. It'll do you no good to sit here in your seat this morning. And, and, and hear this and sing the worship and just sit here and say, okay, well, that was great. I, I heard something about rest and I'm not doing anything with it. I'm just going out of here the way that I came in. That will do you absolutely no good. The invitation must be received. It can't be received for you by the person you came with. It can't be received for you by your parents. It can't be received for you by anyone else. It can only be received by you. And so this morning, Jesus Christ from heaven stands with arms wide open and calls you to come to himself to receive rest that only he can give you. That is an awesome invitation, isn't it? Wow. Don't exclude yourself. Don't exclude yourself from this invitation. Don't say, yes, yes, I've heard that before. Okay, let go and let God, but that doesn't work for me. Don't say that. Don't don't exclude yourself this morning. Don't think that you don't need to be concerned with the burden that you bear. And don't think that God isn't concerned with the burden that you bear. He is concerned with it, and he's probably even more concerned with it than you are. Don't exclude yourself this morning. Don't neglect this invitation this morning. It must be received. It must be received by you personally. And Jesus is not merely inviting us to recognize some historical facts about a man who lived 2017 years ago and died on a Roman cross. He's not asking us to simply pay Uh, lip service or give head knowledge to that he is asking us to respond by coming to him and he's asking each one of us to respond in this way coming to jesus is turning from sin it's repenting and we're going to talk about that more in a minute but listen coming to jesus is not a one-time deal So if you're a believer and you're here today and you're like, okay, I can tune out on this one because I've already come once. Yeah, you've come once and that started your journey with Jesus Christ. And now there are many more steps to be taken along the way. And so coming to Jesus Christ for grace is the same every day. Well, what am I saying? Do we have to get saved over and over again? No, but the same grace that saved you on day one is the grace that will sustain you every single day. And so you have to come in the same way. And so let's listen up this morning to what the Lord has to say to us from his word. How will you respond today? How will you respond to Jesus Christ's invitation? Will you respond by coming? Will you respond by receiving the rest that only he can promise? As we jump into this this morning, we've got to notice a few things here. First thing is this. If if there is any hope for us to find rest for our souls, we must recognize the severity of the situation. If there's any way that we're going to find any rest for our souls, we've got to understand how severe our situation is. And here it is in a nutshell. We're not basically good people who just need a little push forward to get us going. We are sinful people. 
who need an awesome God to save us and pay for our sin and to totally rearrange the furniture of our heart and get us going in a new direction. That's how serious our situation is. Let me say it plain and simple. We are completely unable to find and maintain spiritual rest on our own. You just can't do it. You just can't find spiritual rest in and of yourself, and you're not going to sustain it on your own. And so Jesus speaks to two groups of people this morning. Do you notice that in the text, right in verse 28? He speaks to two groups of people, and really these two groups of people is, is really just one person. Okay, He speaks to the person who labors. He speaks to the person who labors, who says, okay, I'm going to find spiritual rest because I've got everything else and, you know, I've got, I've got the cars, I've got the house, I've got all this stuff and that hasn't done it, but I'm going to find spiritual rest. I'm going to, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to do all of these things and I am going to earn good standing with God and that is going to give me rest. And so maybe, maybe this person is, uh, the person that, you know, um, comes to church with Bible in hand every week. They get the extra big Bible, right? Okay, so that everyone can kind of see how, how spiritual they are and make sure that God sees it too, right? And maybe they, they plaster on that, you know, Jesus bumper sticker on their car just, just to make sure, right? And uh, that if you ask them about their relationship with Jesus Christ, what's the first thing they're going to say? Oh, it's amazing. Listen to all the stuff that I'm doing for God. And they're going to go on on this big list about all of the spiritual things that they do, 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 do. And what's at the root of this? At the root of this is a person who is trying to find approval with God based on working and laboring. At the root of this, their spiritual identity is tied up in the things that they do. Let me just tell you right now. That's exhausting. That's exhausting. If you find your spiritual identity in the things that you do for God to make God happy, you will be exhausted and you will not find rest anytime soon. Jesus wants to show us a better way today. He speaks to those who labor, but he also speaks to those who are heavy laden or those who are weighed down and staggering under the burden of sin. And just imagine that in your mind right now. This week I was reading a little bit of the Pilgrim's Progress, okay? And you, maybe some of you remember that old, old book, um, Allegory. And uh, this guy comes out uh, and he goes on this journey and he's got this giant burden on his back, just this weight that he can barely even bear. And he's hunched over and he's carrying that burden and staggering along. That's the picture Weighed down, pressed down by the burden of weight and sin. And maybe that's you this morning. And maybe you've been striving in many ways to find peace with God. Maybe you've been uh, working hard to try and earn better standing with God. And all that's been happening is sin has been piling up and piling up and piling up on you. And the weight is crushing down and it is unbearable. Maybe you're here this morning and you're walking with the Lord, you're delighting in the Lord, but the weight of this life is pressing you down. Maybe there's a health crisis. Maybe there's a family crisis and that weight is pressing you down. Today, Jesus is speaking to all of these people. Anyone who staggers and stumbles under a burden is being spoken to this morning. Laboring, working harder won't remove the burden. It only increases it. 
The only way to see our burden removed is by running to Jesus Christ and receiving the rest that he offers and he supplies. Are you pressed down today? Are you weighed down by a burden that is bigger than yourself today? What's the primary burden that Jesus is talking about in this passage? The primary burden that he's talking about is the burden of sin. It's the burden of the law. Uh, And his audience would have totally got this. They would have understood this right away. When he said, if you stumble and stagger under a burden, they would have said right away, yeah, we do. Okay, it's the Mosaic law and it's heavy upon us and we can't do everything we're commanded to do. And we always fall short. They would have got that. And I hope that we get that to some sense today. It's the burden of of sin. Let me ask you this. Have you personally ever felt the crushing weight of your own sin before a holy and righteous God? Have you ever felt that? Have you ever experienced that? Of what it feels to deep inside, not just pay lip service to the fact that, that you are and I am, certainly am, unrighteous before a holy God, but to feel it and sense it in your heart. I am guilty before a perfect God. I deserve his judgment. Have you ever sensed that before? If you haven't sensed that before, then you probably would see no reason to be compelled to Jesus Christ. Because it's in sensing the weight and burden of our sin that we see Jesus Christ as glorious and as our only hope. And that is what compels us to then run to him. If you've never experienced that before, it's a kind of a daunting thing to pray this, but it's worthwhile praying. God, would you help me? Help me to even feel the weight of my own sin so that I might know the Savior in my life. All who come to Jesus Christ must come under the weight and burden of sin, recognizing that there is nothing they can do to get rid of it themselves. We've all got to come the same way. We've all got to come the same way. We've got to come to Jesus recognizing, recognizing our sin and recognizing our own inability to deal with it. Only those who know that they are lost will be saved. Let's notice two things right here. First of all, to find rest for my restless soul, I must stop striving to find rest apart from Christ. Okay, we just talked about that. We talked about a few things. We talked about rule keeping. We talked about, you know, good works done so that you can get a right standing with God and God will give you a thumbs up. Religious activity. What about worldly pursuits? What about striving to find my rest in vacations, bigger house, better car, my own private jet? That would be sweet. Not going to give us rest. All right, all of these things, okay? Worldly pursuits will never satisfy us. Why? Because our hearts were made only to be satisfied by God alone. To find rest for your restless soul, we must stop striving to find rest apart from Christ, but also this, to find rest for our restless souls. Each one of us, myself included, must repent of sinful attitudes and actions that steal my rest. Okay, here's where we get super practical right now. And so if you're a believer in this room today, and you're saying, yes, I want more rest in Jesus Christ, but I'm not experiencing it right now in my life, and I don't know what's up with that. Anybody feel that way? 
Okay? I feel like you've run into the wall. One guy over there. Okay, good. Okay. One person. All right. So, so we'll talk to you for a second. All right. Okay. A couple of other people. If you've ever felt, I want more rest. I want more peace in my life, but something is blocking me from it. I don't know what it is. If you've ever felt that, you can put your hand up now. That'd be okay. Hey, there we go. We got a few more. Okay. All right. Good. All right. I've felt that a lot. Um, if you've ever felt that this morning, One of the things that the Lord really calls us to over and over again is continual repentance. Repentance is turning from the direction that you're going, full U-turn, turning around and heading in a new direction. And not only do we need to repent of the sinful actions that we do and the things that we neglect, we need to repent of the attitudes that are behind them. Okay, think about it for a second. If, If the sin, the action of the sin is the bad fruit that is on the tree... There is a bad root that is giving that fruit life, right? Okay, or whatever, making it bad. All right, if the, the action of the sin is, is the tip of the iceberg, how much is below the surface? A lot, right? Okay, enough to sink the Titanic, right? Those things are our attitudes, our sinful attitudes, and so often we don't want to talk about attitudes and we don't want to call them sin. We just want to say, oh, it's just a bad attitude. It's just, it's not so great. I should work on that a little bit. But listen, let's just be honest and let's, let's call a spade a spade here. Okay. An attitude. Okay. That is negative is sin. It's sin. And here's what it's doing. It is robbing you and it's robbing me of the rest that Jesus Christ wants to give us. It's not just a little bit of a bad thing. It's the iceberg below the surface that is stealing all of your joy and all of your rest and all of your peace in Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12.1, it tells us so clearly to throw off any weight and sin that clings so closely. And if we would do that, we would experience so much more joy and peace in Jesus Christ. Here are six Six things. There could be more, but let's put up six things. Six rest-robbing attitudes on the screen. These six things will steal your joy and rest and peace in Jesus Christ faster than almost any other. Here's here's the first one. The first rest-robbing attitude. Discontentment. Discontentment. I'm just simply, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not content. I am unsatisfied. I'm unsatisfied with God, and I'm unsatisfied with what God has given me, and I want more. I, I deserve more. I need more. I should have more. I'm going to get more. See where that goes? Really quick. Discontentment. That could be applied to any area of life. That could be applied to... Um, Material things that could be applied to to sexual lust. It could be applied to a stealing any of those things. Discontentment is a root sin. Here's the second one. Pride. Pride. Just wanting to do it your own way. I just, I just want to do it my own way. I just want to, you know, you know what? I, I know Jesus offers me this rest, but I'm just, I'm going to bear the weight myself because I think I can do this. Okay. That's Pride. It's robbing you of the rest that Jesus promises you. Pride shows up in so many areas in our lives. Here's the third one. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. I'm upset. I'm hurt. I'm wounded. And I won't let it go. No matter what, I won't let it go. I'm going to hang on to it and I'm going to make you suffer 
because of what you did to me, and I will hang on to it. What does that do? That just wells up within us and creates bitterness. What do you think that's doing? That is robbing, robbing us of our rest and peace in Jesus Christ. Here's the fourth one, joylessness. I'm, I'm just, I'm happy being miserable, and I'm really happy that I get to make other people miserable. And so just let me be miserable, and you can too. <laughs> right? No rest there, okay? Not at all. Not a bit. Here's the fifth one. Rebellion. Rebellion. I'm just, I'm going my own way, God. I'm just, I'm doing it my way on this one. I, and I'm going to say when I get to the end that I did it my way. And, and if, it, if it falls apart and things really go badly and go off the rails, well, then I'll just ask forgiveness when I get there. And this is the attitude that says, no, I can sin. And, and when the sin's done, I'll just, I'll just ask God's forgiveness and I can just keep on sinning. That's rebellion. That's rebellion. That's hatred against God. That's wickedness. And I see that in my heart. And I pray, oh God, would you remove that? That kills and destroys any rest that I would find in Jesus Christ. Here's the last one. Unbelief. Just simple unbelief. I just, I just won't believe that God can or will do this in my life. I just won't believe that his promises can be applied to me. I just am not going to believe that he's going to show up in this area. Just unbelief. And listen, these things are, they're common to us, aren't they? They're like woven deep into the fabric of our fallen DNA. They're just, they're a part of who we are. Don't these things just seem so natural to us? It's just, it's, it's the default that we go to when we begin to struggle. And listen, these are the attitudes that, that Jesus really wants to remove in us. Why? Because he has something so much better. Something so much better. These are the weights. These are the burdens that kings that cling so closely that he wants us to take and leave at the foot of the cross and never pick up again. Why? Because he promises to give us rest and he will deliver on his promise if we will trust him and we will let him. Now I want you to notice. I want you to notice what Jesus says in response to our sin and our striving. I love what he says in response. In verse 29, take a look at this. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Wow. To find rest for our restless soul, here's what we must do. We must fully receive Jesus' invitation. To find rest for our restless soul, we've got to fully receive his invitation. You can't be one foot in and one foot out. You've got to be all in on Jesus' invitation. And now notice, notice here, there are three elements to this invitation. Maybe you don't see them at first in the passage, but they're there. Okay, three elements to this invitation. We all want to get to the last part. We all want to get to the finding of the rest. But before you find the rest, there are three things that must happen. Let's go through them. The first one, we already saw it. It's back in verse 28. It's the invitation to come. First of all, if you hope to find spiritual rest, you must come to Jesus. You're not going to find spiritual rest anywhere else in this world. Everything else is empty. It can only be found in Jesus Christ alone. And so you must come. You must come to him. 
But notice the second one right at the beginning of this verse. The first word in verse 29. Take. Take. Take my yoke upon you. Listen, when we come to Jesus, we come to Jesus to take his yoke upon us. We come to Jesus to take his burden in a sense. He takes ours and we take his. Now we want to talk about that so we don't get hung up there. But you must come. You must take. And then notice the last one. We must learn. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Let's deal with the first one a little bit. The invitation to come. The invitation to come to Jesus. It simply means to come to Jesus simply means not, hey, I'm going to physically walk there. It means to come by faith, to believe in Jesus Christ, to put your full trust in him, to receive him as your Lord and Savior, and to embrace the gift of eternal life that he purchased for you at the cross when he died. That's coming to Jesus. That's coming to Jesus. We must all come to Jesus the same way. We must come as sinners who desperately need a Savior. But that's where it starts. And when we come to Jesus, when we come to Jesus, we don't stop when we first come to Him as our Savior. We must daily embrace Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I love, I love this verse in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Love this verse. It's a great, great motto for our Christian life. Okay, how do we live it out every single day? Here it is right here. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. It says this. Therefore, it'll be up on the screen. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith, faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Did you notice that right at the beginning of the verse? Here's the question. Hey, how do I walk with Jesus Christ after I've been saved? Okay, here's the question that's answered. Therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, so walk in him. Think about that for a second. How did, how did you receive Jesus Christ as Lord? Was it not in brokenness and humility? Was it not in desperation? God, I need a savior God, my sin is overwhelming this burden. I can't handle it anymore. I need to be saved. Was it not in faith and belief and trusting that he could save you from the burden that was on your back and set you free? Well, how do we walk in Jesus Christ? We walk in Jesus Christ exactly the same way as we came to him. Brokenness, humility, Faith, trusting only in him, desperate for his grace to be poured out on us every single day. That's how we move forward in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't ever come to Jesus Christ, today is the day to come to Jesus Christ. As it's already been said, and I'll say it again, because it's worth saying, Jesus Christ stands from heaven today with his arms stretched wide saying, come. Come, bring your burden. I will take it from you. This is the gospel, isn't it? The gospel is awesome. This is the great exchange. Jesus says, bring your burden, that filthy, heavy burden that you cannot bear. Give it to me, and I'll give you mine. It's light, 
and it's pleasant. That's the great exchange. We exchange our sinfulness for all of his goodness. Why would we not take him up on that offer? Why would we deny Jesus Christ and say, no, I'm not going to come? No. Why would we do that in our day-to-day Christian lives? Why would we say, well, God, you saved me by your grace, but now I'm going to try to continue on by me doing it. Why would we not just run back to the place that we started and say, God, I need your grace poured out on me again today. God, I need your help again today. God, that same thing that I failed with yesterday, I'm failing with today. God, would you just pour out your grace on me once again? Because I need it. That's what it means to walk in Jesus Christ in the way that we received him. It's coming with the same desperation every single day. That's what the Lord is calling us to. We must come to Jesus Christ, but also notice this. We must take his yoke upon us. We must take his yoke upon us. Hey, what's a yoke? What is that? Okay, I think we've got a picture of one. Let's get that up on the screen, okay? Yoke, it's not like the thing in an egg. Okay, that's not what he's talking about. Um, here's a yoke. There we go. Okay, right there. And so a yoke is a, a first century uh, farming tool. Okay, so it's a farming tool and you'll notice it's uniquely shaped and they're really big. And the the use was that they were used. You would put normally you would put oxen in them. Okay, and so you would put one oxen in one side, one in the other side, and they would be yoked together. And the reason that you would do this was so that they could pull heavy burdens. They could pull a plow and they could accomplish more work together than what could be accomplished on their own. And so Jesus says this, he says, hey, come to me, take my yoke upon you. And so what Jesus is saying right there is really, really simple for us. He's he's saying, hey, I'm in one side of this harness. I'm inviting you to come to me and get into the other side of the harness. Take my yoke upon you. Okay, join with me, be connected with me. And then what happens once we're connected with Jesus Christ. Well, we walk with Jesus Christ. Think of the picture here, okay? Two farm animals walking along, two oxen walking along. They are walking together. They're working together as they go. That's the picture that Jesus is giving us. He's saying, this is good. It is good for you to be connected to me. It is good for you to be joined to me. Listen, we must join ourselves to Jesus Christ through faith. That's coming to Christ. You must join yourself with Jesus Christ. But each day, each day we must willingly take his yoke upon us and say, Lord, I'm going to walk forward in this way with you today. I'm going to labor alongside you today, not in a way that I'm going to find my identity and my salvation there, but in a way that I joyfully labor next to you because, Lord, working for you is the best thing I could ever do. And it brings me so much joy. This literally means to join ourselves with Jesus Christ. We must willingly submit ourselves to Jesus by joining ourselves to him. But listen, this is where the gospel gets hard. When Jesus says, take your, my yoke upon you, he's not saying, hey, just you take the easy road and I'll take the hard road. Listen, this is where the gospel gets hard. And this is where we've got to really understand what is being said in all of scripture. When Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, in other words, what he is saying is, come to me, 
take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. That's a hard statement. When Jesus calls us to come to him, he is calling us to share in everything that is his, including his suffering. And so the the call this morning is come to Jesus, come to Jesus, but at the same time, count the cost. Come to Jesus. The grace is free, but it will cost you your life. Your life in this world for eternal life in heaven, which has no end and has blessing upon blessing. And so when you count the cost, you're kind of like, all right, okay, I've got this little pile of money over here um, with a few dollars in it, or I've got this giant sum over here that knows no limit, okay? And so one is, is the, the pile of stuff you have in this world, and the other one is the eternal riches that God offers you in Jesus Christ. And so the cost really should be a no-brainer for us. But hey, I'm just going to put it out there. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ with your life in this world, you are going to suffer. There's going to be some suffering. There's going to be hardship. The way that Jesus calls us to is not easy. It's not easy. But his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. But but recognize that you must, if you come to Jesus Christ, take his yoke upon you. You can't have Jesus Christ as Savior if you're unwilling to have him as Lord. Let me say it that way. You just can't. You can't say, Jesus, I want your salvation, but I don't want your lordship. You're not going to be Lord over my life, but I do want my free pass to heaven. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And I, I pray that, that God would destroy this notion uh, of easy believism, phony Christianity that we have in our country today. That says all that you need to do is you just need to just pray a little prayer. And you just need to walk down an aisle. You just need to sign a card or write it in the front of your Bible. And you're on your way to heaven and you've got your ticket and you're going. And and I pray that God would destroy this notion that there needs to be nothing that breaks in your heart over your sin. That there needs to be no real repentance and calling out before God. Oh God, would you destroy that? Because it's not the gospel. It's leading people to hell. And promising them heaven. God, would you destroy that? Listen, if you're going to come to Jesus Christ, it is going to be hard. But he's a good master. He will save your soul and he will give you rest for your heart. And he will give you eternity with him. Oh, that we would get serious about these things. These are serious, serious things. We must take his yoke upon us. Walking with Jesus is hard, but it's worth it every step of the way. And also this, we must learn. We must learn from Jesus Christ. You see that right in this verse? There's so much application right here for us. We must learn from Jesus Christ. What does he say? He says this. He says that that we must take his yoke upon us and we must learn from him for, for I am gentle, he says. And lowly in heart. Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. Two things. First of all, he is gentle. He is a gentle, good master who will lovingly guide us and care for us and lead us in the way. And therefore, he is, he's fit to teach us because of his gentleness 
and his goodness. And he's lowly in heart. Consider with me for a second, Jesus Christ. Just think about Jesus Christ for a moment. Consider his example of humility. Consider what it says in Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about Jesus setting aside his glory and honor in heaven and coming down to earth and being humbled to the point of death, even death on a cross. Wow. So much we can learn right there, isn't there? So much we can learn about humility and not clinging to what is rightfully ours, but laying it aside for God's glory. Think about Jesus' example on this earth, his example of grace and truth in every situation. I'm blown away when I read the Gospels and I read about how Jesus handles the hard things. The things that would just want to make me just light up and, ah! He's just filled with grace, but doesn't shy away from the truth, speaks it like it is, and puts a loving hand around the person and leads them in the way. Consider Jesus not firing back when attacked, He was attacked often, submitting everything to his father in prayer and imitate his example. Listen, this is what it's talking about when it says, come to me, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from who Jesus is. Learn from his example in life. Learn from what he did for us and how he lived for us. The old Puritan pastor, Matthew Henry, he said it this way. He said, this humility and meekness qualifies Jesus to be our teacher. So it will be the best qualification for those who are taught by him. Listen, if we want to be taught by the Lord, let's let's take up his yoke. Let's take on that same humility, that same lowliness, that same gentleness, and invite him to teach us. Now notice, notice what the Lord says here to us in verse 30, our last verse in the passage. For as hard as it is to follow Jesus Christ and to surrender to him, Jesus gives us some pretty awesome encouragement right here. Anybody feel like sometimes they need some encouragement to to keep following Jesus? Okay, here it is. Here's your encouraging verse. Underline it if you would like. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, wait a minute. I thought you just said that it was hard to follow Jesus. The Bible's saying it's easy right here. It's, it's easy. How can this be? How can a yoke, something that holds you and makes you walk along and pull something heavy, be easy? Well, most often when I think of easy, I think of uh, my feet up me sitting in a lounger chair, my feet uh, up on another lawn chair on the dock up north, and I think, easy. <sighs> easy. And that is easy, okay? But that's not exactly what is being said here. Don't think feet up on the beach up north when you think easy. This word here in the original language can really be translated good, gracious, pleasant, sweet, Hard in many ways in this life, but in the life to come, easy, amazing, awesome. Paul says it this way. He says, this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Wow. 
The yoke that Jesus offers you today, the yoke that he offers me today, won't always be easy, like putting my feet up, sitting on the dock, easy. But it is easy in the sense that it is good, it is pleasant, it is sweet. Why? Because the God of heaven is leading you. And let's face it, when you're in that yoke with Jesus Christ, who's pulling the weight? It's not you, and it's not me. Pretty awesome. Come to me. Come to me. My yoke is easy, and don't miss this. My burden is light. Maybe you're here today, and your burden is heavy today. If your burden is heavy today, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and receive receive his burden that is light. And it's really no burden at all. Let's notice this as we close. To find rest for my restless soul, I must continually fight to rest in Christ alone. Do you get that? To find rest for my restless soul and your restless soul, we must continually fight to find our rest in Jesus Christ alone. Now, this is one of the greatest paradoxes of the Christian life. We have to fight to find rest. We have to struggle, in a sense, to find peace. And here's the paradox. To find rest and peace in Jesus Christ, all you need to do is come. But the hardest thing to do is come to Jesus, isn't it? The hardest thing to do is to come to Jesus for forgiveness and salvation in the first place. The hardest thing to do in your Christian walk is to come to Jesus each day and to put yourself before him and submit to him, isn't it? Okay, maybe just for me, okay? But maybe for a couple of you, that's the hardest thing for me to say, Jesus, I want to submit to you today. I want to follow you today. Listen, how do we break through that? Because when we put ourselves in that place of saying, Jesus, I want to submit to you. I want to follow you. It seems like everything stands against us. Sin, Satan, the world, our flesh, all of it against us. And there is this giant wall, this giant barrier that will not break in front of us. How do we break through that? Well, we can't do it by ourselves. But one word, one word that does it. Grace. Grace breaks the wall. Grace breaks the barrier. We must rely fully on God's grace. Fully. Not half in, not half out. Fully on God's grace. How do we do that? Two words. Pray and pursue. Pray and pursue. Right here. Let me give it to you as simple as I can. The best way for us to find rest in Jesus Christ is prayer. And I'm not talking, you know, um, the little, I'm just going to hail one up on the way down the highway prayer, okay? We're not, we're not talking the flimsy little one-liners that we just kind of throw out there. There's a, there's a place for a little one-liner. But I'm talking all out, on your face, getting low before God, calling out to Him with urgency, saying, God, this is what's happening in my heart, and I need you to intervene and fix it. That's prayer. Prayer is where we find peace. Prayer is where we find rest. We can learn so much from Jesus' example here. When Jesus' life and ministry got hard, what did Jesus do? What did he do? He prayed. He prayed, and he prayed for extended times. He went away from everybody else, from the crowds, from the disciples, and he prayed, and he poured out his heart to his Father. Listen, Christian, this is where your peace is. And so often I neglect private prayer. 
I'm so ashamed of that today. My neglect of private prayer. When I neglect private prayer, pouring out my heart before the Lord and seeking the Lord, what do I neglect? I neglect rest and peace in Jesus Christ. I forfeit it. I give it up. As the old hymn says, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. When we neglect prayer, we neglect peace in our soul. Don't neglect. Don't neglect the peace of Jesus Christ. One more time, at the end of this message right now, I'll plead with you. One more time. One more time. If you've never come to Jesus Christ before, if the burden of guilt and shame and the weight of sin is still heavy on your back, come. Come to Jesus Christ today. There is nothing to hold you back. Though Satan stand against you, though the world stay in your way, come to Jesus Christ today. Come and find the rest that your soul longs for in Him and in Him alone. Come. Why do you wait? Why do you linger? Why do you hesitate? Come to Jesus Christ. He lived His life for you. He shed His blood for you. His body was broken for you. He died His death for you. Come. Come to Jesus Christ. He stands with arms wide open, ready to welcome you today. Run to his throne of grace. Lay your burden down there and have the peace that only he can provide. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Run. Run to Jesus Christ. I can guarantee you this. You'll not find anything to satisfy your soul in this world apart from Jesus Christ. Just not going to find it. Money won't do it. Stuff won't do it. People won't do it. They'll let you down. Jesus Christ is the only one who can satisfy our restless hearts. Your restless heart, my restless heart, will only find rest when it rests in the, pres- in the person, presence, and promises of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, We thank you so much for the call to come to you, Lord, and the encouragement that you give us to lay aside every weight and lay aside every burden and run to you and to run into your presence. Oh, Lord, I just pray right now for any heart in this room that has never run to your presence before, that has never come to you. Oh, Lord, would you lead them to come to you today, God? God, would you break the things that need to be broken so that you can heal the things that need to be healed, God? Would you lead them to Jesus? Lord, I pray for the weary Christian that's here today, Lord. That's struggling under the weight. The weight of shame, whatever it may be. Or the burden of this life at times. God, I pray that they would run to you today. And experience the grace and peace and rest that only you can give. Oh Lord, lead us now as we worship you. In the name of Jesus, amen.